BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this special edition of the Assembly Call, recorded on Friday morning here on the eve of Indiana's big non-conference showdown with Kansas at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday. We're all very excited about that. I'm your host, Jared Morris. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Homefield Apparel, where they sell the finest in vintage college fashions. According to Ken Palm, Homefield is ranked number one in the country in adjusted retail efficiency. Yes, that acronym is A-R-E, and if you really know Homefield, then you know how much Connor will love that. Uh, anyway, go to homefieldapparel.com, knock out everyone on your Christmas list in one order. It couldn't be easier or more fun. Our promo code is HOME23. That'll get you 15% off your entire first order, but of course, always follow Homefield on socials and email and everywhere else because they have flash sales. Uh, but go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23 if you need it, and get all your Christmas shopping done in one place. Okay. And now it is time for today's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a longtime writer for the Sporting News, a longtime contributor to the Big Ten Network. And if he were Santa Mike and he was making a list of who's naughty or nice, there would be but one criteria for the list. Do you or don't you believe in being able to advance the ball to midcourt with a timeout at the end of games? Because if you do, all you're getting is a lump of coal. And we seem to have just lost Mike <laughs> right after the interview. So I'm going to assume he'll pop in. And that I didn't offend him uh, with my intro right there, right there. Uh, but we will see. Very excited to have Mike back on the show. As many of you know, uh, Mike did a segment uh, for us for a long time called Banner Friday, uh, and so we are very excited to. Uh, Mike, did I offend you with, uh, with oh, my I intro? I, I was trying to shut down other pages to, to make our stream go, and <laughs> I shut down ours by mistake. So I apologize for ruining your your, your wonderful introduction. <laughs> that is that is okay. That is okay. But let's uh, let's jump in and talk hoops here. Um, obviously, it's been a very very interesting start to the season for Indiana and for the Big Ten at large. So let's kind of start with the micro here on the Hoosiers. Uh, just give me your general impressions of watching Indiana through, through nine games, the good and the bad, and kind of where you're at with this team right now. Well, I, I think it starts with the reality that there is no team in college basketball. There is no team, not one anymore, that can lose a starter and say, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it, you, just, it, you can't anymore. No one's that deep. No one's that good. If you're down a starter, you're different. And maybe you can survive a game here or there, but you're not the same. And you're going to be put in a position at some point, whether it's a great team uh, on a neutral floor or a uh, significant team on the road or a great team in your home gym, uh, it's going to hurt you. And not having Xavier Johnson has changed Indiana over the last few games on, on a very fundamental basis. It, what it does is it weakens you at the most important position on the floor, the point guard position. And it also weakens your bench because now someone who has the ability 
the capacity to be a significant contributor in multiple ways as a reserve has to start and has to play a position. Uh, Gabe Cups is not an incapable point guard. He's going to be a fine college point guard, but he's a freshman uh, being asked to play against high level opposition uh, with a team that's not, it's not like he's joining a team where everything is in place and everything is established and, uh, and just needs somebody to push the right buttons. You don't even know what all the buttons are yet. We don't know everything about what Khalil Ware can do for Indiana. We know it's a lot, but we don't know everything in every circumstance. Uh, and Mackenzie Mbako is still rounding into significance as a college player. Malik Renew, because of Khalil Ware, is having to figure out, okay, so he's there. Where do I get my points from? And he's doing fine, but it's still an adjustment. And, and it's an adjustment as well to being relied upon. A year ago, he was a complimentary player who came off the bench and gave you minutes. And as long as those minutes were not negative, he did his job. And if they were positive, he did his job well. It's, it's totally different when you got to go out there and you got to get, you got to produce points, rebounds, defensive stops. So everything is kind of new. And then the one thing that wasn't new, a guy who's played through uh, most of uh, four seasons of college basketball and is into his fifth, the, the one guy that wasn't new is the one who's been absent. So I, I think you have to factor that in when you're evaluating how they've performed to this point in the season. I, 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 there, are, there are elements of the team that give me pause. Uh, the, 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 the one consistent weakness that we've seen now in the way Indiana has played under Mike Woodson is long distance shooting and not just the ability to do it, but the emphasis on it at times. I, I, we talked about this last season on multiple occasions. You had a 45% three point shooter on your team that you got, I think, uh, I looked it up not long ago, 125, 130, 140 shots, whatever it was, it wasn't 200. And on any other team, just about, it had been over 200. The, I, I, you, you needed to get him more shots to reach your potential, and, and it didn't happen. And now they don't have a Miller Cop on this team, uh, but they still have – They you, you still need in, the, in this game, in today's game, to have that threat. To be, to be successful uh, because other teams are going to hit threes. The Harvard game is a good example. You're drilling them inside, uh, and, and, and Khalil Ware is playing at an elite level in that game. But they're outside figuring, well, we're not getting near the bucket with that guy, so we're going to shoot from out here, and they're making shots, and they're in the game for a while uh, because of that disparity. Three points out here, two points in there. Uh, and – so if you're not participating in that element of the game, it's a, it's a disadvantage because a, a team could be outplayed by you but outshoot you and either be competitive in a game where they shouldn't be or win a game that you were the better team. So that's, that's the one element of this team that I think needs to be emphasized. And, and again, that's impacted, honestly, by Xavier's absence. He's a Good three-point shooter, not a great one. What he's a guy, he he fits into the category of players that I say can make a shot. There's a, there are guys who are shooters, and there are guys who can make a shot. And I think that's where Xavier belongs. Uh, but I I think if Gabe were not having to play as a primary point guard, that coming off the bench, ideally he he takes Xavier's rest minutes eight or ten depending on the game. And then he, he gets another six to eight or so uh, playing with Xavier and being someone that you work to get open because he's a, he's a, he's a very fine shooter. He is a shooter. Uh, so I, I think that you're diminished by that, by that, by that uh, reality right now. And I, when, when Xavier gets back and I, I have not even looked to see what the prognosis is at this point. Um, but when he gets back, you're, you should be a better basketball team. The other element that you miss when Xavier's out is on-ball defense. 
you're not going to expect a freshman uh, playing his 10th or 11th college game to be as, as oppressive against the ball as someone who is in his fifth season and who is long and physical and, and very dynamic and, and built to be a quality on-ball defender. Yeah, I'm not sure about X's availability. I don't think there's a lot of optimism that he'll play tomorrow. I think the hope is that he can get back for those other three games like North Alabama, Moorhead State, and start to get ramped up. But there's there's certainly been nothing official about it. You talked there about Xavier Johnson. Obviously, we miss him in his absence. The other guy that we should spend some time talking about is Trey Galloway, you know, who's now in his fourth go-around. Um, we've seen him play a lot of basketball, some ups and downs. You know, last year he kind of comes out of nowhere to lead the Big Ten in three-point shooting. And this year, you know, he's having trouble throwing the ball in the ocean, standing on the beach, um, and just looks to, you know, to have lost some of his confidence. What do you make from what you've seen so far from Trey Galloway? And what does Indiana need from him moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember uh, who – I guess it was uh, FGCU, the opening game. Um, and there, and, and he came off a screen and, and pulled up into a shot and nailed it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's what Indiana needs to do. A lot of that. Uh, and it hasn't really happened since. And I think some of that as well comes from he's now being – He's now being uh, guarded more closely because there's not a Miller cop on the other side. Uh, so he, so people worry about him more. He's got a lot of responsibility uh, at both ends of the floor uh, that, uh, that are attract, detracting from him. And, you know, I look at a guy like um, uh, uh, the, I'm trying to remember now just to draw on a blank, um, Peyton Sanford at Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. I mean, literally, because we had him we had him on our air like in early February. We had we had Iowa on at, at BTN on on a Sunday. I think it was early February. It might have been late January. Um, but he literally had made like one shot from November to that point in the season. I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, and, and he was and he legitimately, you know, in a vacuum, go give him the rack of balls and do the. um NBA three-point contest, and he'd be like one of the guys that would be favored to win the Big Ten's three-point shooting championship if you had such a thing. He's that good, but he had that just awful slump on a team that doesn't ever say no to anybody, let alone a shooter like him. It wasn't like they were saying no uh, or not giving him opportunities. It just wasn't going, and Trey could be trapped in something like that as well that's really bothering him that that just you know, he needs to see one go in uh so that the others start to flow and and again i think that uh, it, some of it again goes down to not doing enough within the offense to try to get guys high quality three point shots there are a lot of very positive things about the indiana offense but that's been a weakness it's not a new one uh the 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 creation of quality deep shots. It's not a new one for, for IU uh, under this coaching staff. And, and I, and I, so I think that some of what Trey takes and misses is the quality of, well, he had, we had, IU had to get up a shot because the clock was going down uh, and, and somebody had to do it. And so I think that some of his misses probably fit into that category as well. Yeah. You know, it's been such a weird start to the season for Indiana. I think everybody expected November and December would be a little bit rocky. It's been rocky. You know, Indiana on the on the bright side has avoided any really bad losses, 2 and 0 in conference play, have a road win, like all things that are really good, meaningful achievements by mid-December. And yet in the two games that kind of quote unquote matter in the non-conference, they've gotten blown off the court and have barely been competitive. So I'm curious as you look at this team right now on December 15th, you know, and I get that the real answer is kind of it's on both sides, but if you had to pick a side, are you more optimistic about what you've seen and what this Indiana team can be moving forward? Or are you more focused on some of the questions and how those might manifest itself with more consistent, consistently good competition coming up? Well, I'd say I'm more optimistic uh, because I mean, I'm not looking at this team as one that I expect to threaten for the big 10 championship or threaten to make a deep run in, in March. 
I, I did not look at that as this team's horizon in the preseason. And so nothing that's happened since uh, is discouraging. Now, the, it, the Auburn effort and performance, that's discouraging. I mean, to get blown out by the defending national champions that have two first-round picks uh, in their rotation, maybe one, only one of them played. I don't think Stephon Castle played, but they've got Donovan Klingon. They've got Tristan Newton, who may be developing into a pro with the way he's played. Yeah. Uh, they've got Alex Caravan playing at an elite level. They're terrific. So to get beat by 20 by them, eh, whatever. To get beat by nearly 30 by Auburn just doesn't add up. Uh, that And again, some of that I worry about the fact that you're missing your point guard. And I think that if you have Xavier Johnson, do you lose that badly against Auburn? I don't think that happens. I, I, I don't want to put that on Gabe. Don't get me wrong. It's just a very difficult position to put a freshman uh that on a team that like I said it's it's not always easy for a young player to join a a completely molded team at that position and make it work but it's a lot easier than what this is wherein everybody on your team is new to their role they're either new to the team or new to their role or both and Khalil Ware's never been a college star he wasn't really even a good player at Oregon last year. He was just somebody who looked at and said, he should be better. <laughs> uh, and now he is. Uh, and Baco, like I said, reserve last year, did a really nice job in the minutes he was accorded. Trey, not a featured scorer. You mean Renew? Re, did you mean Renew right there? Yeah, Malik Renew, yeah. Okay. What did I say? You said Mbako. Oh, Mbako, a uh, freshman, um, you know, who, again, totally new to the game. So, it everybody's different. And so they're trying to figure themselves out. And you're as a freshman trying to get them in the right places. And this wasn't supposed to be, you weren't recruited to start as a freshman. You're not one of those, uh, those uh, top 25 guys that everybody knows is walking right into the lineup. So it's a, it's a difficult position to put him. I think he's doing fine. Don't get me wrong. I think for, I think he's doing a fine job. I, it's just a lot more is being, demanded of him than was ideal at this point in his career. So I, I, that, that explains somewhat Auburn doesn't totally, but I, 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 I think when you look at the fact that they opened with the two league wins, including a road win at Michigan, uh, even with Michigan, not playing great now, uh, still not easy to win on the road in the big 10. And they did it. Uh, you, 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 you didn't play great the first, 15, 20 minutes against Louisville, but figured that out. Harvard, I think, is going to be a contender for a spot in the tournament. Obviously, Princeton and Yale are very good, so it's probably not going to be easy for them to get there, but they're going to they're going to be in the hunt. Uh, and you didn't let Maryland get going, which I, I don't understand Maryland at all. Of all the teams in the country, they're the team I don't get. Same. But... <laughs> But if you, you know, if you had done a poor job, maybe they figure it out that night. Yeah. But you didn't. So, so good for you. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not overly worried about this team. Maybe, maybe there are Hoosiers fans that are expecting huge things and are. Um, but I, I expected a transitional year. I mean, you lost one of the great players in your history, um, along with several other veterans who played a ton of basketball. Two tons of basketball. When you think about it, the way uh, with the COVID year, uh, you got extra year for Miller Cop, etc. Uh, so I, I, th I think that everything is on course for IU. Now it would be tremendous for the Hoosiers to be able to get a win in tomorrow's game uh, because because we've seen it happen before at Assembly Hall. We've seen great teams come into Assembly Hall. And not great IU teams, through the force of energy that they draw from the crowd and through the disorientation that the assembly hall crowd can inflict on an op opponent, we've seen them pull off games like this. But I don't think it's a, I, I don't think it is a, uh, it that it's a game that they have to have. I, I I don't look at it that way. I think you want to perform better than you did against Auburn especially on a uh, on your home court. You want to give your fans who showed out and gave you their best, presumably. You want to give them your best. 
but I don't think it's a must win for them. I just think it'd be great if they played better. And then if they did happen to get it, it, it would be a, a real bonanza for them. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I think a lot of Indiana fans are approaching this game with a different sense of urgency. I mean, obviously, you're home, you play in Kansas, you want to beat them. But as people are becoming more and more aware of how bracketology works and the impact of non-conference victories, and then you're looking at the Big Ten really struggling in the non-conference, and so there aren't as many opportunities to pick up good wins, it seems like there are no must-wins in December, but it seems like more of a must-win from that perspective. What do you make of the Big Ten Conference right now and the ability for you know possible bubble teams like in Indiana to have enough opportunities to get the wins they need in conference play? Well, I think it probably what it does is it forces you uh, to perform, first of all, to perform more cleanly against those teams that aren't likely entrants. And as, as you know, I mean, at this point, like I said, I don't get Maryland, but I would say that they would fall into the category of not a likely entrant. So you have to get that game. And you did. You have to, you're going to have to continue to do that through January, February and early March. You're not going to be able to afford like Ohio, the Ohio State game that they lost at Penn State. Ohio State probably has already canceled that out by beating Maryland and maybe could do so again tomorrow if they're able to beat UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, they they can do that. Uh, you don't have those opportunities now. I mean, let's be honest. The schedule is not ideal for IU. You play two top five teams with a team that that wasn't likely to be capable of beating a top five opponent. Wasn't likely to be. Like I said, I'm not I'm not ruling it out because I've seen it before, but it's not something you look at and think, yeah, we can get that one. You look at Kansas and you say, Ooh, that's going to be hard. So uh, I, I, I look at them as needing to perform at a really high level against teams like Penn State. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Maryland before, uh, Minnesota. Nebraska is a vexing opponent. They're pretty good. Uh, Nebraska's problem was that they built their schedule for to, to build up a appetite for success because they haven't had it. And I, and I don't disagree with that. They ha- but they had the one big game against Creighton uh, and they kind of pulled an Auburn there. Uh, they, they performed on much the same level against Creighton as IU did against Auburn. Uh, so, but they're, they're still a very capable team. So, I think IU needs to do that. And then when they get teams into their gym that are really good uh, and that, you know, they have Northwestern at home, they have Wisconsin at home. Uh, they don't get a ton of those opportunities. One, they, they do have Ohio state at home as well. So those are games that are going to be really important for them. Purdue, of course, uh, another top five team, but they have shown at least that they have, although with different players have some, appetite for beating Purdue. And then they're going to have some talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Off-road games, and they probably need to get some of those. Uh... 
they've they've got Wisconsin on the road. They've got Illinois on the road. They've got Ohio State on the road. So there's more opportunities there than you think. All those teams that I just mentioned would fall into the category of likely tournament entrance. Nothing is guaranteed. You could go out, somebody could get hurt, or you could just play badly, and you could go from you're going through your non-conference as a likely entrant to being not. Uh, but uh, I think there's enough of those, especially with the way the schedule is structured for the Hoosiers, that if they can if they can avoid the the losses to lesser teams or less accomplished teams, I should say, in the non-conference and get a fair share of the the victories against the likely entrance. Uh, I think they can still, you know, they, they, that they're still in good shape. It's just the schedule didn't break well for IU partly because of what they constructed and partly because some of the teams that did, you know, when you, when you signed up to play Louisville, uh, did you expect this? Uh, um, so Thanks, Kenny I, I, Payne. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, one, one thing I'll say, Jared, is I, I believe that the Big Ten needs to be involved. Uh, it, losing the ACC challenge has not been good for the league and not replacing it. I understand why the ACC challenge went away. I'm, I don't understand why it wasn't immediately replaced by one with Big 12 or somebody like that. Uh, or the Pac-12, at least in its final uh, iteration. Uh, I don't know... I'm, totally understand why that didn't happen uh, because I do think it, 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 what it does is it forces you to perform at a really high level on neutral floors and, and the big 10 wasn't up for that. But if you had seven or eight home games against the S the ACC, it might've been an opportunity for you to show that, uh, you know, what you were capable of or that it wasn't as bad as, as some of the neutral court results have indicated uh, that I, I don't think the big 10 is, is poor. I, I, but I don't think they gave themselves as many chances to show that as they were accustomed to getting over the last decade or so. You mentioned Purdue earlier. They're, you know, obviously kind of looked at as head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. And I would say their performance probably warrants that to this point, you know, we've seen them play really well early in the season before, are you seeing anything different from them that suggests they may be more ready for March than they've been the last couple of years? Or is it too early to tell? Well, first of all, they're older than they were last year. They're, they're more experienced. The, 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 soft, the, the two freshman guards from last year, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, are now sophomores with a full season as starters under their belt and the experience of what it, what it costs if you're not ready for March. Uh, that's, that's the start of it. Uh, I think that they are deeper now. They have more options. Uh, you look at a, at, a, at a player like Cameron Heidi, uh, who uh, uh, I, I think that he is a really dynamic player uh, who is starting to make three-point shots. I think he gives them a valuable bench piece. They've, they've developed better the inside uh, combo when, when, you, when you take uh, – Zach out of the game because he can't play 40 minutes. That's that's just too much to ask. So then you have Trey Kaufman Wren playing the center spot. I think he's continued to escalate his play. Uh, Caleb First is playing well alongside him. He's playing better basketball as well. And then I think to me, the most important element of their development, honestly, is the uh, addition of and the uh, and the uh, the forward move of Miles Colvin, he is a player that's not like it, 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 when when you look at a team like Purdue a year ago. I, I I don't know how many people picked them to win the NCAA championship. I certainly didn't pick them to lose their first game, but I never believed that they could win the national championship with the lineup a year ago. And it all goes back to 1987. And I repeat this a lot, and people may be tired of hearing me say it, but it's it's ironclad history. It's got it's it's got 35 years of foolproofness built into it. Nobody has won an NCAA championship without an NBA first round pick on their roster 
since 1987. I think you guys remember which team won it in 1987. I think so. Uh, but, but nobody has done it since. What did it take for IU to do that in the absence of that? Well, for one, Steve Alford was one of the greatest college basketball players of all time, top 35 at least in the history of the game. And Bob Knight is one of the four or five greatest coaches of all time. So if you have that, then maybe you can win it. I don't think that that's out there this year. I don't think there's a there's a Steve Alford out there. Maybe Zach is going to win two players of the year in a row. And and I, I certainly think uh, that Matt Painter is a tremendous coach. So maybe they could do it. But I think you need that guy. And I think Miles Colvin could be that guy. Uh, it, he's got high-end dynamism. He's a terrific shooter. Just a beautiful, uh, just a beautiful stroke. Uh, I, I think he, I think he can be a first round pick and why does that matter? And I think what it's, I think that Purdue is a really good example of this. Okay. They played the Maui Invitational against three teams in three days that they, they might not even have to beat three teams that had good to win the championship. (laughs) We don't know yet, but it's possible. Um, they did, but, but in the amount in Maui, you don't have any time to scout. You obviously you're doing all kinds of off-season scouting and that sort of stuff. That's what coaches do. But you're having to react in the moment with less than 24 hours prep and less than 24 hours rest. And it really goes down to uh, if you have somebody uh, like a like a Zach Eady that's hard to play against, or you're hard to play against as a group, like Tennessee, for example. That's usually what makes the difference. But you get to March, and everybody is 100% scouted. And every coach is spending 24 hours trying to make sure that they know every play in the book, seen every video. And it often comes down to players who make plays that can't be scouted. You can't take it away from them because they're that great. And that's what got UConn a championship a year ago. Uh, It's Like I said, it's happened 34 other times since 87. So having a guy like Colvin, if he is continues to get engaged with the rotation. And I think the Alabama game was really important in that, in that, uh, in that uh, evolution, because he wasn't, there were games he didn't play much earlier in the year. Uh, He played against Tennessee. It didn't play great. Wasn't the best game for him. So then he didn't play much against Marquette. There were games he wasn't getting much run. But he was he was very important in the second half of that Alabama game. So you can see them trying to escalate his role. And so for that reason, I think that Purdue might have it in them. But I think we're still a few months away from knowing for sure. Answering a question about Purdue by invoking the 1987 championship is just professional level stuff on an IU podcast. Did not go unnoticed. Very much appreciated. Um, <laughs> a couple more questions for you. So as we as we stay in the Big Ten. We've got Purdue at the top. How would you start listing out the main contenders and how far would you have to go until you got to Indiana? Well, I think uh, beyond uh, Purdue, uh, I think you look at Illinois uh, because they, they, they have significant talent. Uh, winning a league is going to be hard without great point guard play, but they're going to be a team that wins enough games to be in the picture. Perhaps uh, one of those teams that, Somebody would probably have to follow up, like a Purdue would probably have to follow it up for Indiana. For excuse me, for Illinois to win it, uh, but they'll be in the they'll be in the team picture there. Uh, Northwestern, uh, that Chicago State game was obviously vexing, but they're still very good, and they'll be they'll be in that group. Wisconsin as well, Ohio State. Does Northwestern think- have to take the Chicago's Big Ten team off their? <laughs> after losing that, like, how can you keep that on there? Well, they're they're still Chicago's Big Ten team. They're just not Chicago's team. Maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they, in order to reclaim that, I think they, <laughs> I, in order to make sure that they that they can keep some designation, they need to beat DePaul. I believe they play <laughs> tomorrow, so that's a big game for them now. Uh, and then I think when after you get through that group, I think then you start to talk about Indiana. I don't know what to make at this point of Michigan State and where they'll go. I do know that they played Arizona to the end of the game. I mean, they were they were ahead late, uh, and so they nearly beat the number one team in the country. I was in the gym 
for their Duke game. And they didn't play as well in that one, but they were in the game and obviously didn't win in the end. So I'm not, I'm not pushing Michigan State off the train. I mean, I still think that they're going to be involved. They've got some things they've got to address without a doubt. And I, I'm a believer that they need to integrate their, uh, their freshmen at a higher level than they have. And Jackson Kohler, I don't know exactly when he'll be back. Uh, it's another team that people are so like, well, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And first thing that's wrong is the guy who is their best center hasn't played a minute, not one single minute. And Mati Sissoko hasn't been the answer. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not worked. Uh, he has not given much of a chance. Uh, and may, and, and I'm sure he could say he's the coach that Xavier Booker has not earned the chance. Uh, but he hasn't, but at this point, neither has Mati Sissoko and he's still out there. Uh, I, I think that based on where they are, I, I think at least trying to get, Xavier Booker more involved uh, it, it, until Kohler can make it back seems like a worthy exercise. You know, in the last 10 years, we've seen the Big Ten fluctuate between being a four and five bid league and a 10 bid league. What's your gut feeling right now on what the conference is this year? And I know there's well, a ton I, to play out before then, but just your I gut mean, feeling. I think they're fighting to get six. I think that's that's about where it looks now. I mean, like I think what I mentioned, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's why I, I think that six number is reasonable. And I, I don't know how they get from here to seven uh, because you get into conference play. The way you get from here to seven is an enormous division between those seven and the rest. Uh, and that hasn't happened often in the Big Ten, uh, to be honest. But that's that's what you'd have to have happen. Uh, the teams at the the teams in the other seven, Rutgers teams like that, they're probably too good to just check out and and wave goodbye. I mean, Penn State. We, I mentioned Ohio State. They got that great win against Alabama. Won their tournament. I think it was in Florida. Um, Penn State goes into excuse, Ohio State goes into Penn State and takes an L. Uh, so that that seems to be more the norm. So it's highly unlikely that you're likely that you'll get that detachment from from those other teams. I I think it would it, it it would be a challenge to get seven, but not out of the reach. But the the realistic thing is to have the six best teams in the league or the six most accomplished in non-conference then go out and do the same in conference play. And then you'd have a solid half dozen. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. This is from Lisa who made the request to bring this back for Banner Friday. So we appreciate that, Lisa. She wants to know, is there a relationship between a statistically less competitive big 10, like it is this year and our conferences performance in the NCAA tournament, or is that just a coincidence? Well, let me say Lisa, I hope she's been reading me in the past, I think she has, uh, that what I have noticed, and I wrote about this on the f Friday that uh, the Big Ten in 2021 during the uh, bubble tournament, on, the, on that Friday when things went really south, when Ohio State and Purdue both lost within a few hours of each other as two and three seeds, I believe they were at that point. Uh, and then Illinois went down the following day to, uh, I believe, eight-seeded Loyola, that leagues that have been really deep in, in terms of tournament bids have not performed well in the NCAA tournament. You go back to 1991 when I was covering Pitt, and they got seven out of nine into the tournament. And that, 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 that year, uh, they did not do well in the NCAAs. In 2011, when the Big East got 11 of their 16 into the field, they only had two Sweet 16s. They had 11 in the field, got two Sweet 16s. And both of those were guaranteed <laughs> by the second round because it was two Big East teams playing one another. It was Marquette against Syracuse in one game, and it was Cincinnati against UConn in another game. Uh, that was the, so they were guaranteed to get to to get to get two into the Sweet 16 out of 11. Uh, the ACC, I believe, was 2017 was another one of those leagues. 
as a whole, the league did not do great. Uh, they did produce the champion, the same as 2011 Big East did. But the, as a whole, the performance, wins, losses, et cetera, advancement, were not, it was not good. And then we see over the last few years uh, the, uh, the Big Ten doing the same thing, not performing at the level they wanted. And then as well, we saw last year when the Big 12 got seven out of 10, so 70% of their membership. That's a huge figure. It's not been breached often uh, in NCAA tournament history for a league to get seven out of 10. Well, we saw to make the Elite Eight, we saw their champion go out in the second round. I think they only had two Sweet 16 teams, if I remember correctly, Kansas, excuse me, Kansas State and, and Texas. Uh, so they, they did not perform at a high level. So I think there is a statistical connection. I, and I think there's a logical uh, basis to it. I, I, I believe that playing in a league like the Big Ten was in 2020 or 2021 or 22, et cetera, you have to be at your absolute peak every night to not take a loss. And the, look at last year, Nebraska. You think, okay, come on, man. They're, they've won like three games in the league or whatever. That's going to be easy. And then what they go, they won like five games in, in, Jan, in February and March because, yeah. uh, because they, they were hard to play. Uh, and because they had something to play for, they played for respect. Uh, and the, and the other teams in the league started to think when looking at the standings that, Man, that has to be one where we don't have to be great. That's part of it. You're, you're just mentally exhausted from having to be great every night. And I, I, I use this to describe Purdue a lot. I think Purdue, especially last year, I, but even the year before, they, they, they had to be, you had to develop a system, a formula for winning that would, that would be repeatable within league play every couple of nights. And I, I go back to the St. Peter's game. They had Travion Williams and Zach Eady. And Zach then was a very fine player, but he's not what he is now, a dominant force. But he was a fine player. And then they had Travion Williams. And they basically split the time between the two of them. So they're in the St. Peter's game. After they played a great game against a significant Texas team to advance to the Sweet 16, everybody forgets how good they were in that game uh, because of what they lost to. But that St. Peter's game, it just wasn't – wasn't their style of game. It wasn't going their way. And then early second half, Trey comes in, Travion Williams comes in, plays great uh, for a stretch and gets them, I think, a six-point lead, maybe eight. Uh, and, he, and he exhausts himself because he was accustomed to playing like a hockey player, going really hard for his four, five, six minutes, whatever it was, and then taking a break while Zach does it and then coming back. So it was time for his break. And he certainly couldn't have continued at the level that he had been performing. So what did Purdue did? Well, they did what they always did. They put Zach back out there. But Zach had shown in the first half that he couldn't play in that game. It wasn't working for him. He wasn't effective. He wasn't comfortable. They weren't calling fouls. Uh, and so it goes back and that eight point or six point lead is gone. And now they're scrambling and they lose. That you you have to be more flexible in the NCAA tournament than that because there isn't a tomorrow, there isn't a Northwestern on Saturday or a Nebraska on Monday or whatever. There's just there's the abyss. You, there's either you advance or there's the abyss. And I thought that that they got caught up in well, this is what we do because this is what we've done to win fourteen or fifteen or eighteen, however many Big Ten games. And I think that's, I think that, and it's not just Matt. I think it's what coaches do when they get into such a challenging league where they have to be, they have to find a formula that works every night. And I, I think we saw that with Kansas last year. Bill was gone for the game against Arkansas, but they, again, they, they used what they did all year. And on that day, it wasn't going to work. Uh, they needed to try something different. And because they had been winning all year under the other formula, they thought, well, it'll work. Eventually, it's going to work. It'll come. And then it never does. Last question. I'll we'll get you out of here. Gut feeling for tomorrow in, in Bloomington? How do you think that game goes? I know you probably don't want to offer a prediction, but how do you think the game goes? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I've been, I've been believing that 
the Hall can make a difference in that game. Not necessarily to win it. That's up to the players. But I think that I've seen that happen. I keep going back, and I should have looked it up by now what year it was. You may know off the top of your head that Carolina came in there uh, either off the national championship. I think it was the national championship year for them. I think it was fall 2016. Was it 15 or 16? Uh, well, they came into Assembly Hall. So they played in Assembly Hall in 2013. And then in 2016, we lost to them yeah. in the Sweet 16. And then they we played them at home the next year because OG was great and we ended up beating them at home. Yeah, that was the game. Uh, so I was there that night. And I mean that that's the Carolina team that went on to win it in 17. And you beat them with a team that didn't make it to the, to the NCAA tournament. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, hey, go ahead and beat Kansas and then not make it. I'm just saying that... <laughs> A team that I consider to be not as good uh, necessarily as this Indiana team can be, uh, beat a Carolina team that was championship good. And I, th- I think this Kansas team is terrific, but I don't know that they're championship good. So I've seen it happen. Uh, that's that's kind of what I've been uh, thinking about as this game approached, is I've seen that game. I've seen that happen. Uh, so I think it's possible. But it will be a challenge uh, with a, uh, a freshman point guard, uh, with a freshman small forward. Uh, I, I think what has to happen is this team has to defend at a really high level, stay fresh, stay out of foul trouble. Uh, I think they can't be afraid to try to go get runouts on occasion because they're going to need some easy baskets. Uh, Kansas plays defense very well because they have great positional size, and obviously they're very well coached. So I think they, they're going to have to manufacture some buckets here and there uh, to, to get past the, the three-point limitation at this point. But I, I, I think they can be in the game and, and that the Hall can make a difference. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe make an outside shot or two, you know, could help. Would help. <laughs> yes, definitely. Mike, thank you so much. Always great to have you on here. Follow him on Twitter, at TSN Mike. Look for him on the Big Ten Network, on the Sporting News, any place else that uh, the people need to be looking for your stuff. Uh, my first bracket uh, will be oh, up on right. Fox, I think on Tuesday, on foxsports.com and, the, and their socials. I think it's Tuesday. I wish it were like two Tuesdays from now, but it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will be looking forward to that as well. Mike, thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks, Jared. Enjoy the game. All right. Thank you. The great Mike DeCourcy, everybody, back here on Banner Friday here on the Assembly Call. We'll see. We may try and do this a little bit more often. It's always nice to get it's always nice to get Mike's takes. You know, we obviously are so hyper focused on the team and coming at it from a fan perspective and try to be as objective as possible, but that can sometimes be easier said than done. Then you've got the national media folks who really don't know a damn thing outside of just like the top storylines, and they even get those wrong sometimes. But Mike really, I think, is kind of in that sweet spot where he's not an IU fan, you know, and he's not trying to cover. I mean, he, he is a national college basketball writer, so he does keep his, his eyes on the entire nation. But, you know, with a focus on the Big Ten, it really kind of gets the context. And so I always appreciate his ability to come on and just provide objective, sober analysis of, you know, where we are, where the team is, where we stack up in the conference. Um, So just really appreciate his time. Thank you to Lisa for the suggestion and to everybody else uh, who suggested that we get Mike back on. Um, Just a couple programming notes here before we close up. One, obviously, we will have a post-game show immediately following the Kansas game. Uh, It's an early tip, 12.30 Eastern, 11.30 my time, 9.30 a.m. Ryan's time. So I might have to send him a text message and make sure that he is awake for that one. Um, And if you haven't had a chance yet, go back and listen to last night's show with Andy, uh, Coach Tonsoni, and Galen uh, from Crimson Castle. I think they really did a nice job of... Adding further context to the Auburn loss, you know, I think there were some things that Galen was able to pick up on being there live uh, that we didn't necessarily talk about as much on the postgame show, but that I think are really, really relevant um, in terms of some of the challenges that this team is facing. Uh, so it's it's always so nice to get the perspective of people who are actually there at the games because there's just stuff that you can pick up on there that you don't necessarily see on TV. So listen to that. And then the last thing that I will uh, say is just offer a suggestion uh, to join our email list over on Substack. Um, And you can get there actually by just going to our main URL, assemblycall.com. We basically made our Substack publication our main website. 
Uh, if you have any questions about how to find anything, you're looking for something that you used to be able to find on the old website but can't now, just email me, jared at assemblycall.com. We can get it figured out. But being on Substack has really helped us streamline our content operation, allowed us to get more stuff out, um, you know, really... Uh, you know, whether you're a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, hopefully you're getting a lot of value from it. So you can go there, you can subscribe for free, you know, you'll get the watch pages for all of our shows. Uh, some of our analysis work, we, you know, send out to the free subscribers like Tony's piece yesterday, kind of looking at some of the data and the, the metrics and what they tell us about Indiana. Uh, and then we have a whole bunch of stuff for our paid subscribers from Coach Tonsoni's Coach's Corner pieces, some of my data analysis pieces, Tony's IU Film Room. Uh, and then when you're a paid subscriber, you can contribute to all the conversations, the chat, uh, and get access to the private Discord. So we've really tried to Build something there. Hopefully that if you join for free, helps you stay connected to the show and you get a lot of value. Uh, and if you decide to become a paid subscriber, you know, it really just kind of opens up kind of a deeper world of analysis uh, and a community that we're really proud of and that we'd love to have you be a part of here as we go through the season. Uh, it's been a topsy-turvy one already, and we're only nine games in, so I can only imagine what uh, the rest of December, January, and February, and hopefully March are like, and we'd love to be hanging out with you, talking about it with you. So uh, if you have the inclination, go to assemblycall.com uh, and join our free email list. And if you decide to upgrade to paid, we'd love to have you do that too. All right. Uh, have a great rest of your Friday and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Hopefully there's still some magic left in Simon Scott Assembly Hall and that helps uh, propel the guys to their best performance of the season, which is clearly what it will take to beat this Kansas team um, you know, but at a minimum, go out there, compete for 40 minutes, and hopefully we walk away from tomorrow's game feeling like, okay, you know, this team was better, much better than they were against Auburn. You know, now we can go clean some things up over these last three non-conference games before Big Ten play happens. But, boy, if you could get a win tomorrow, uh, it would really help anchor the NCAA tournament resume and I think just do a world of good for just kind of the mentality and the feeling of the season. Um, because it's really, it's been, it's just been a weird season. You know, it's like, Hey, seven and two, a lot of good things have happened. And yet it's like, there's this overwhelming sense of dread about what's to come because of just some of the per possession stuff that we've seen and how much, you know, take out the analytics, like all IU fans can just watch what's been on the court and be like, there's something missing. This isn't great basketball. Sometimes this isn't even good basketball. So, uh, still plenty of time for this team to get better and improve. Uh, and hopefully that starts Saturday. So we'll look forward to talking to you then. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.